dropping the hammer. No, you're not. Hello, and welcome to a bonus episode of the Dropping the Hammer podcast. A few weeks ago, Daniel sat down with his longtime friend, former co-worker, and NASCAR journalism legend, Bob Pockress. This episode is the audio from that interview that was posted on the Dropping the Hammer YouTube channel. You can find a link to that video in the show notes. If you enjoy what we're doing here, please go over to the YouTube channel and subscribe. It'll really help us out. Now here's Daniel and Fox Sports' Bob Pockress. Pocky. It's the nickname for Fox Sports NASCAR reporter Bob Pockris. If you're familiar with NASCAR, you're more than likely familiar with Bob. If you're new to NASCAR, you'll want to get brushed up quick. Bob Pockris has been a NASCAR reporter since 1991. Prior to Fox Sports, he, he worked at ESPN and Sporting News, where I met him in 2014 as an intern. We've shared many media centers. He's usually the first one in that media center, and he's definitely the last one out. Uh, and if you ever wondered whether a track has lights, Bob's the person you ask. And then you ask again, and again, and again. The 2021 NASCAR season is going to be a very big deal. There's lots of new stuff, lots of new tracks, new drivers with new teams, and there's lots of questions to be had about all that new stuff. So I thought it would be important to give you guys the opportunity to find out a little bit more about one of the hardest working guys in the NASCAR media corps. Uh, so without further ado, let's get to the interview. My interview starts with me finding out some very, very shocking news about Bob's movie watching habits. So here we go. My interview with Bob Pockers. And the pressure's on because this is one of your first ones. Yeah. No, you're, you're my first legitimate like interview because the Daniel Suarez one was from you know, a month ago. I don't know if you, you get to watch that yet or not. I not i should have okay. but i had i watched That's... the first one where you yeah. told me you didn't know what you were doing <laughs> i didn't i still don't mm-hmm. um, i'm making this up as i go as right. henry is the scholar henry jones jr would uh say i see do you know who that is do you even know who i'm referring to I, I don't i'm not too familiar with him i don't think indiana jones oh yeah no when wouldn't have a clue on that <laughs> Okay. Don't think I've ever watched any of the movies like all the way through in one sitting. What? <laughs> you know, I mean, you have to remember, you know, different ages, you know. It came out in 1981. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I was 12. Okay. What, what, what movies are you into then? I would be into comedies and um, more. <clears throat> thriller type stuff and you know i mean like you know jay and bob type stuff jay and silent bob yeah okay that's you know all right that's news to me okay you know that would probably be more on high speed than indiana jones yeah i was a big kevin smith fan bob welcome to dropping the hammer you're my first official guest um dropping the hammer dropping the hammer you know all right days of thunder Days so, of Thunder. Yeah. That's how I learned mine. Some of my first NASCAR knowledge came from Days of Thunder. I was uh, still in Indiana at the time. Mm-hmm. That that movie came out in 1990. Uh, I graduated college 91, and I didn't know a whole lot about NASCAR um, at that time. 
and I watched that movie and it, uh, and I was like, eh, people, they don't, they wouldn't really be that happy for a guy who just wrecked a bunch of, a bunch of cars like a year or two earlier, would they? Uh, after he won, <laughs> like I, I, that's, you know, I was like, you know, really? I, I so, but um, yeah, so that's my, but that was, uh, that was my, kind of my introduction. To, okay, this is what NASCAR is all about, but I was pretty skeptical after watching it, I was like, some of that stuff's got to be embellished. Well, that I, was the cynical, that was the cynical reporter in me. <laughs> at the age of tw 20, what were you, 20? 20. 20. 20 you're the cynical reporter already at 20. 21, yeah. Oh, so what's your, what was the first race you attended a NASCAR race? First, 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 first time you went to a track for a NASCAR race? I mean, I know I was at the 92 Daytona 500. Okay. Um, I don't know if I was at any of the preliminary races of that week. I don't, I don't remember, but you know, I went, and going back and looking at files, I was, I saw my stories from the 92 Daytona 500. Like, so, so, so that would be the first, I was, I was writing about guys not being good teammates with each other. So really? some storylines, uh, yeah, some storylines uh, continue. So, so was the, the, the 500, was that something you were, you volunteered for? Were you assigned it or was like, okay, um, or, or no, was so, like, I, I guess I'll do the 500. Well, so when I worked for Daytona newspaper, I worked in the DeLand Bureau, which is about 20 miles west of Daytona. And really, you know, uh, you know, they, they would just do it with a few reporters and maybe a couple of uh, freelancers. But obviously coming from Indianapolis and having covered, uh, you, you know, worked the Indianapolis 500 for three years uh, for various uh, media outlets mm -hmm. as a college student, you know, I wanted to cover the Daytona 500. I was like, you know, there's a big event. This is our paper. You know, we should have our reporters there. And so, you know, they were like, yeah, you can, as long as you don't, uh, as long as you don't uh, neglect any of your duties um, in the bureau, <laughs> and uh you can cover uh what you can out at at the racetrack so what what are when, when you think about i guess this that speed weeks what are some like the the images that like flash into your mind of like what, what stands out to you all these years later <laughs> i mean i think i think what just stands out is just the 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 massive size of the facility and while you know you know Indianapolis. I mean, I knew Indianapolis, and obviously that's a huge facility. It's just, it's just different. Like I didn't realize that there weren't grandstands on the inside at Daytona, because in Indianapolis, you know, there's grandstands on the inside and the outside. Yeah. So I just assumed it was the same for all the big tracks. So I think um, I think that uh, that was probably a little bit you know strange. I can't remember my first time up in the press box at Daytona. It wasn't for that race, but you know i'm sure for another race down the line it was just amazing to see you know well you can see the whole track you know uh from, from one location or at least you know with binoculars you could see the, <laughs> you could see the whole track so uh but yeah again i just think you know and just the history of uh, driving through the tunnel and everything was um you know was was was, was pretty amazing uh, one question i got from twitter was from mm -hmm. uh for use from adria how does it feel having risen from just another NASCAR reporter to be considered one of the best and also somewhat of a meme? <laughs> uh, being a meme can be awkward. Um, <laughs> you know, I, look, it's it's nice that people recognize your work. I, I mm -hmm. the great thing, like, I'm mean, not to get too philosophical, but it's like some of the coolest things to me, especially when I worked in Deland, Florida, which is a fairly small town, you know, is that you would go out to eat 
And if you had written a big story about the local college or local high school, you could hear people talking about it in the booth next to you, right? Like talking about, and you knew that they had read your story, right? Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, that thing is, that's kind of cool to me. So the fact that more people are reading and more people are paying attention to what I'm saying is, uh, you know, is cool because I mean, that's kind of, that's why I got into the business. That's why I enjoy the business in, in the first place. Uh, so, um, but, you know, but there's also a lot of good reporters out there. So, you know, I mm-hmm. don't, um, uh, you know, it's just, you, th- there's some things that, you know, having followed this sport since late in 1991 and having been around uh, for most races since 2003, that, you know, that you can gather or, and, you uh, and have a, a, a strong enough base and a strong enough understanding that sometimes you have a better idea of kind of where to go for answers. Yeah, and the, the, the industry has changed so much since 2003 and you're, you've been able to hold, hold on and people like, people I believe view you as like the face of the NASCAR media core. Um, how, do you have a sense of like responsibility with, with, with that? Uh, I mean, I think you uh, you have a sense of responsibility to your readers all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know that there's any additional sense of responsibility in uh, in in that sense. But there certainly is a knowledge that what you say and what you put out there is um, is going to be read. Like there's sometimes where I tweet something and it's not, I don't think it's a big deal. And then all of a sudden I see somebody else has written a whole story off of some info (laughs) that I tweeted. And I was like, oh man, that's a little bit bigger than what I thought. And so, yeah, there's certainly, uh, I mean, certainly you feel responsibility, but you know, I think I feel that responsibility anyway uh, to to readers, you know, I mean, you don't wanna put false information out there. And obviously I have a responsibility to the people who, employ me as well right mm-hmm. i mean and then you said the readers in some way employ you and then you also have you know and then uh these guys here <laughs> at fox also uh you have a responsibility too as well okay when when you're growing up when when did you begin to grasp grasp yeah, grasp what journalism was and like what it was for mm-hmm. a community or whatever what, what's your like earliest journalism based uh, memory well, so I went to Indiana University mainly as a uh, as a business major. Oh, and really? Then, okay. um, you know, and then they were really kind of teaching you to work for like IBM or a big company. And, and I was thinking like one day I might want to own my own store of some sort. So this really wasn't doing much for me. My older brother was a journalist at the time. And, okay. and so, you know, I worked on the school paper. I've been editor of the school yearbook in high school. So it's like, well, I'm going to try this, the college paper at Indiana. And that's, and at that time, the school paper was the only morning paper in town. The Bloomington, Indiana paper was an afternoon paper at that time. And so, I mean, like we were, I mean, we were legit five days a week, Monday to Friday, you know, the morning paper for a lot of people in the community and, you know, and covering Indiana sports and everything was, was big and the community was big and, you know, and there was, I mean, those were huge learning times as far as, you know, what, what you, what you did and, and how to go about things, because I mean, you know, there were, 
that you, you, you're just put into so many different uh, different situations and different, you know, covering scandals, covering Bob Knight, covering, you know, with the craziness of IU basketball. I mean, there's always something like where you were making, you know, either an ethical decision or a decision of, you know, when do you go to press and, and do we run this or do we run that and decisions on, on, on so much stuff that I think, you know, it was at that time that, you know, you start kind of, you, you learned about, you learned about journalism. Uh, that, that's crazy. Cause you just seem, you just seem like the guy who like came out of the womb, a journalist. No, <laughs> no. I, I, I mean, I always enjoyed it. Uh, but I don't know that I, um, that I saw myself uh, doing it, uh, doing it as a career until I really started enjoying it in college. So, so at its base, base, like what appeals to you about journalism? Well, um, you know, I again go philosophical on you, Daniel. The <laughs> um, one of the first stories I wrote for the school paper in Indiana was on what's called a crop walk for hunger. And I wrote about that, hey, this is going to be happening. And then when I went to go cover the event, a couple people had the story and I guess they volunteered to walk and raise money. And I thought, wow, the power of the press, you know, like, and the, and so it really is about impacting people's lives, right? It's about giving, you know, explaining to people, you know, now relative to racing, why, why they should care about something explaining something that they don't understand, knowing that people have limited discretionary income and discretionary time, mm -hmm. you know, helping people make decisions on whether they're going to go to a NASCAR race or not go or watch a race on TV or not watch or root for a certain driver or not root for a certain driver. I mean, that's pretty, um, that's a big responsibility. And, and I enjoy that responsibility. And, uh, and I enjoy having that little bit of impact on people's lives. Now, is it, you know, certainly they're big fans and small fans and, mm -hmm. you know, avid fans. Um, and, you know, if I'm able to help them either, you know, enjoy the sport or know more about the sport that, that they love, then, you know, then that's, that's, to me, that's a great thing to be able to do. In the media center, it's, mm -hmm. everyone just jokes, yeah, if you need something, go ask. Bob for it it'll be in your bag like what what's what, what, what oh. if, you, if you're to give so, someone a weekend survival kit for for a weekend of the races what, what's in Bob Pockers's weekend survival kit uh let's see you've got Tylenol Advil um maybe even another kind of like bear or something if somebody needs it uh you're gonna have um some sort of Tums or Rolades or Pepto right um because <laughs> Thing. you can get nervous or you you know or you might eat eat the wrong thing um you're going to have batteries double a's and triple a's for scanners and tape recorders you're going to have probably an extra uh you're going to have various type of usb charging cords right now it's you know you're going to need a few different kinds how hard is it for you to unplug from nascar compared to like you're done. You're done for the day. Mm -hmm. um, leave me alone. How how hard is it to to, to well, unplug now? Well, I mean, I guess it's the question of how what what's your definition of unplug? Because I can go have dinner as long as my phone's with me. I'm I'm plugged in, but I can I'm mobile, mm -hmm. right? And uh, so, 
I mean, which which is in a lot of ways a lot better than, in my view, than you know, 15 years ago, maybe where you were going to dinner and you didn't have access to your email or access to, and if something happened, you know, uh, or if you were traveling, you know, every time you would, you know, if you're traveling by car, you would stop every hour or something just to call in and say, hey, is there anything going on or, or to check stuff. So in some ways it is, is easier to be unplugged, but still have the connection. <laughs> <laughs> if that makes sense. But obviously it's more difficult to just totally unplug um, and just be totally away from it. I don't, I'm not the type of person who, who handles being totally away from it very well, you know, yeah. uh, you know, if you, I mean, it, you know, going to the movies and cut, turn off that phone for 90 minutes to two hours is, is uh it's a pandora's is, box when you when you, when you get out of the movie yeah yeah you're so like gosh like... i hope there's nothing going on you know <laughs> right but um so i find it more calming to be able to have it in a lot of really? ways you know okay. than some people would be some people like you gotta be totally gotta totally get away from it for me it's better to have it and to be able to check it you know you know even if you're on vacation you know okay you know I can check it once in the morning and once in the afternoon and depending on where I am, you know, maybe a couple other times, but just to know that in, and to know that if something huge happened, somebody would be texting you or something like that mm -hmm. to me is a lot better. It's, it's, I feel more comfortable that way than turning everything off because then I just be totally anxious about what's going on. Okay. So when you, when you open up Twitter, like last night you, you texted me and said you, you didn't want to look at your mentions last night so so when, when you open up your, your your twitter app and you flip over to the mentions like what does that look like for you what, what is sifting through that for bob pockers well i have to get through all the questions of does such and such have lights right yes we were going to get so, to so uh <laughs> you know so i i look at all those and laugh a little bit and uh yeah it, it just depends on what's going on you know if there if there's a controversy going on you know, after a while, you know, you try to read and scan and see what the pulse is, but sometimes, you know, you know me, I like to answer questions and yeah. sometimes it's it just like, there's just so many comments. I can't, I can't find the questions amid all the comments, right? You know, and so then I just, once in a while, just give up and be like, okay, I just can't <laughs> get, go through it at the moment or just can't, just not going to be able, you know, kind of scan them and see, but um, I mean, for the most part, it's uh you know, look, I, you, I need to hear what people are saying and what people are thinking. It's part of the jobs. You, you brought up the light question. Um, mm -hmm. When did you be, like become aware of that being a thing? Oh, you, 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 I'm, I'm still not aware. Sometimes I, it surprises me that that's a thing. But uh, man, it's been. I, I mean, I mean, I know that people always like to ask. So if people have fun with it, that's. Um, you know, that, that's good. You know, I mean, it's good for people to have fun and, um, and I'm glad I can provide that. Like, you know, if, if that's something that make brings somebody a smile to their face, then, you know, then that's fun. You know, that, that's good. That's, you know, I mean, yeah. Is, are there a lot of questions like that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> what, what, in your opinion, what is most misunderstood by people about journalism and also journalism's role with, within NASCAR? <laughs> people assume that every question has that, that we want a certain answer. 
that like that like when mm-hmm. you ask a question you are looking for a certain answer and a lot of times you know i would say 99 percent of the time i'm asking a question because i don't know the answer and mm-hmm. i want to know the answer and there's no um i don't know what the answer is going to be and i'm not expecting a certain answer i just want to know what the answer is mm-hmm. um, and so and i think a lot of times also that people think that you're asking questions because you have an agenda personally, but sometimes you're asking the questions because it's a topic and the agenda is out there and you're just getting an answer because it's a topic of discussion. And so, you know, you may not um, believe on one side or believe on the other side, but you still feel the responsibility to, to ask the question and get, and get an answer. On, on the topic, if that makes sense. How has your relationship with drivers evolved over the years? Well, I mean, I think it's, um, I mean, you know, social media has changed things a lot because, you know, now a driver, you know, a driver used to, in order to get, for a driver to get their message out there, they would have to go through the media, right? They used to, mm-hmm. or, the, and sometimes they would, have to go through their PR person to send it to the media or the PR person would get it from the driver and then send it to the media. Now mm-hmm. a driver can do whatever driver feels like it pretty much, right? Um, they have that that straight um, voice to their fans, to many of their fans. So they can control the message way more now than they ever have before. Uh, so, you know, I think, um, and, and that's really good in some ways, but then also, if you're um, if you're Dale Jr., you know that every time you tweet, that's potentially somebody could write a story off of it. Yeah. Right? You know? And so and so for for somebody like him, he's got to you know he doesn't uh, he doesn't necessarily want every tweet to be a, a full story, but he still wants to get his you know his thought out there. I would say so. I think the challenge is I mean so I think your relationship. I mean, before, you know, it was, you know, very much a business relationship. And now with social media, there's a lot of tendency for it to be more, uh, there's potential for friendly type relationship or friendly or perception, right? You know, or a very adversarial um, perception. Uh, and and so I think, you, you know, you've got to be aware of that and, and, explain to drivers sometimes some things uh, or crew chiefs or owners or whoever it is just about you know why uh, certain things are done and why um, you know and why maybe this was written this way or why it was done this way you know the I think the hardest thing when you talk about the and I'm not sure if this is where your question was is because of social media or whatever but like mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know Ricky, Sten- Ricky Stenhouse, when he was dating Danica Patrick, right? Every story, Danica Patrick's boyfriend, right? That, that's, and people be yeah. like, why, why, why is that in the headline? Well, it's in the headline because that helps with Google search. <laughs> and so, you know, if you want people to read the story on Ricky Stenhouse, more people will read the story on Ricky Stenhouse, typically, if it's a Danica Patrick's boyfriend, because more people are searching Danica for Patrick, Danica, yeah. yeah. She, and she's, so she's, she was the most more famous person of that that couple, right? So. And and it wasn't a slight; it wasn't meant to be a slight to Ricky. Yeah, 
you know that you know and and in the URL I'm sure it was always there was always it always said Dan Kirkpatrick because you're trying to get as many people I mean one of the, obviously the more people who read it um, advertisers are paid by you know advertisers buy ads on a website based on the number of uh, clicks so you know so you know they you pay a certain amount per certain number of clicks so obviously the more clicks you can get uh, the more ad revenue you can, you know, that they, they generate. And so, you know, so actually, you know, more people read the story, more people will learn about him with that in the headline. Although, you know, obviously it doesn't, um, you know, it, it's certainly understandable that it can frustrate people too, right? And frustrate them. And I'm not saying Ricky was hugely frustrated by it. I'm just using that as an example yeah. of, of, you know, to let people understand that, that sometimes yeah. you had to see, you had to explain like, look, this is the reason why that's in there. And it's not, we're not, you're not trying to slight them, but it's the, it's the way it's, it's, um, it's the way uh, you get people to come look at the website. Um, so I would say that is, um, you know, so, so and, and you've just, you've always got, you've got to be aware of the trends of, um, of, uh, of how social media and how media is being consumed and knowing that you may have to explain some things or, or, or to, to drivers and crew chiefs and others just about, you know, okay, this is the way, uh, I know we were used to things this way, but now they're shifting another way. So, I, th I mean, I know you asked just about relationships, but that just, <laughs> that's the way it evolved, you know, that's mm -hmm. the way, uh, you have to uh, handle things and it's, you know, and, and you know that, I mean, it's, it, it's good. Drivers can react to your stories positively or negatively right away. And, and that's, and that's a, for the most part, a, a great thing, right? That's a, you know, and, and, uh, but, you know, you also hope that you have a relationship with somebody that like, if they are mad like that, they, that you also can have a conversation with them beyond um, beyond maybe a little bit of back and forth on Twitter. Okay. All right. So let, let's get, let's do a little, just a little bit of preview for the 2020 year. We're, we're, we're okay. 2021. Oh man. Um, we're, so we're, we're, we're 24 days from the 500. Um, what, how, how, how do you, how, what are you doing as you ramp up to this year? What, what, what's, what's your eye on and just what are you expecting from speed week? <laughs> Uh, well, you know, just checking on who's who's in and who's, you know, it's gonna it looks like that there's gonna be 44 to 46 cars at the race, so you're gonna have a pretty good uh, some drama as far as the duels go next uh, year, you know, for the for the um, qualifying races. So that'll be interesting. See who gets in and who's out. Uh, I'm gonna be really interested, obviously, in new faces, new places. Uh, when you look at Eric Jones and Bubba Wallace and Kyle Larson, uh, for sure. And then when I say new faces, I'd also say Ben Bishore, you know, as crew chief for Kyle Busch. Mm -hmm. So, and Eric Jones or, or Christopher Bell being now paired with uh, Adam Stevens. I, I'm interested in, in seeing how that goes. I'll be interested to see how Ross Chastain, Chase Briscoe do um, in their new opportunities. So I think that's, that's going to be a big, uh, big one to watch and then you know obviously handling the pandemic and you know yeah. and, and how nascar navigates it and 
you know, will there come a point where you can have more people in the stands? Uh, could you have a, a vaccinated section of the grandstands that can be full and a non-vaccinated grandstand section that where you would need to have social distancing? Like what are the opportunities once um, vaccinations become more common? Uh, so, and, you know, those are, those are the things I'll be kind of looking at going into speed weeks. Uh, and, you know, that's, I mean, certainly all eyes are going to be on, on Bubba too, and Jordan's mm -hmm. team and Hamlin's team and see if they can not necessarily Daytona specific, but in the first couple of months and seeing, you know, how good are they, especially, you know, when you won't have practice after Daytona. So there isn't a lot of time to, uh, for them to kind of grow as a group. For, 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 for you, among all those people, the drivers who are in new places, who do you think um, has the most at stake for the career? Because, like, just going off the top of my head, I think Eric Jones might, might have the most at stake because he's been, after years at Joe Gibbs, he gets yeah. bumped to, like, a top 20-ish team. Yeah, so, yeah, I think I, I would say that because, you know, probably, you know, a team that, that appear, doesn't appear to have a ton of sponsorship at the moment. Um, and, you, you know, I would say that he is probably in the most uh, kind of delicate situation, right? Uh, you would think that Bubba, even if it, they don't run well, will get at least another year after this year, right? Like they're not yeah. just going to, so. Um, like they're, they're, building a, they're building a shop. So. Right, yeah. So uh, I would say the most, I would say potentially Jones is probably in the most precarious position. Which of all the new stuff for this year, what's got you most excited? I would probably say Coda, just because I want to see how it does. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I think it's it's such a scenic place and beautiful track. And there's just so mixed mixed reviews or mixed thoughts of how cup cars will race there. So that, that's the one I really want, kind of want to see. You know, it's such a great market. Uh, I would say that's the one. I'm potentially kind of the most excited about. Okay, for me, for me, it's the dirt race at Bristol. That that, that there's so many question marks around. Yeah, I mean, that. I, as I say that that one, I don't know if it's going to be good or bad, but I know it's going to be must see TV. Oh yeah, that, that I mean, right? That, like, I mean, oh, it's yeah. going to be. I mean, like you are gonna. Have, I mean, that is, you know, if if there's one race, well, not one race, but if beyond the, the the typical races that you would want to see, I think that's that that's the other one you want to see just to see if it's. Um, see if it can be done and um yeah some people are the answer might be yes and the answer might be no but uh but you want to see it. yeah you, you want to see it it's, it's not about the ending it's about the journey um, <laughs> <laughs> because that yeah um yeah the the so many people are like writing up it's not gonna work well don't you want to see whether it works or not <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that's right that's right i mean you know it's uh and it's gonna be a challenge for sure but you know it's um you know, I think if there's anything NASCAR learned in the last year is that it can try things. So why not oh, yeah. try? Why not try it? What, what's what's been the greatest, the, the best race you've gotten to cover? I mean, I think the 2011 championship race, right? Tony Stewart, Carl Edwards, Tony Stewart having trouble early, rallying from the back, uh, knowing that they'd be tied if they finished in a certain spot, and t if Tony won, then he would be the champion. Um, I think, I think that just that whole comeback and, you know, and just the way it happened with Tony, not really thinking he was a factor 10 weeks earlier. 
Okay, I got a couple. I got a couple more uh, Twitter questions for you. I think All right. we, we might we'll, we'll call it. Like I can't remember who asked this one, but um, you, you're you're recently married. You've been married for a year now. A little over a year. Yep. Okay, so how how have you balanced working as hard as you do with getting acclimated to married life? Um. Well, I mean, moved to New York, so I mean, I think that was the that that was a big uh you know that that certainly helped right Right? having one home instead of two you know is a is a (laughs) is 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 big um you know i don't know i mean when you're with somebody for nine or ten years before you get married i don't know that there's a whole lot of uh a lot of difference but there's some of those difference when you're both home and working and uh fighting for uh and knowing that you're both using the internet and both um, draining every piece of, um, you know, but you, you're, you, you just, you, you're, I think that's the, that's been the biggest challenge of the last year. And I wouldn't say it's a huge challenge, but it's, you know, obviously we're not used to um, both working in the same, uh, you know, the same apartment for five, you know, at, at all, you know, and just, um, you know, okay, I got important meeting. Don't bother me for for this amount of time, type of thing. Okay. And don't 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 stream like six different things while I'm on it, so that <laughs> so that my internet doesn't go out. Okay, okay. This this question is from Luis Torres. Uh, with the pandemic still ongoing, what's the ideal way for people, uh, mostly others, but also personally applicable, of networking when opportunities of in person interaction are difficult at this time? Well, obviously, social media helps, right? Um, but I don't. Uh, I don't. I think the best thing is to just to be aware and understanding of you know of people's schedules and what they're going through, right? And being aware, like, okay, this might not be the best time to contact them. Um, you know, maybe doing a little bit more research than you would before, because before, if you saw them and you knew, you could tell like whether they were busy or not, right? And now you don't know if somebody's busy or not. So I would say that the the key is knowing when somebody is, um, has time to talk or, or making sure that you, when you're trying to network saying, look, you know, when is a good time? What are the best times? What are, you know, what are the, uh, you know, or what are the worst times? When should I not bother you? Okay. All right. Okay. This is my last question. Um, so you, you've been doing this since 1991, uh, the year I was born. Um, in, in your career so far, what, what, do you, what do you consider your, um, the achievement in, in your career that you're most proud of? Whether, whether it's a story you wrote uh, yeah, it's, like it's, it's so tough. I mean, I mean, I think the fact that just sticking around for this long <laughs> <laughs> is an achievement because so much has changed, right? And like, it's, yeah. um, you know, uh, it's, uh, you know, I didn't grow up with a cell phone, right, in my hand. I didn't even go to college with a cell phone in my hand. Um, so, you know, just being able to have, to be in the position I'm in and to be able to adapt to everything that has, uh, 
the way media is distributed and and consumed to me is is the biggest achievement because it's just it it's not easy to change it's not easy to um to to adapt and you know we we used to have um we used to have arguments at the newspaper of like oh my gosh do we put this story on the website before it's published in the newspaper you know like like that was a big discussion like that was a big argument like well who's gonna buy the newspaper if people can look online on it for it and then there was a discussion well do you post something on Twitter before you can post it in your on the website? You know, and mm-hmm. these these decisions keep evolving. Do you post this video on? Do you are you you know are you posting these videos of news conferences before actually saying what the news conference was about or explaining what what had been said? Like so, I think adapting to all these different steps to me. To me, is the biggest. Is to, to me, is the uh, biggest accomplishment. You know, there've been a lot of you know. You know, there've been many you know a lot of stories that I've enjoyed writing and, and reporting on and everything. But I think just being able to last and being able to continue to tell those stories is the biggest thing. All right, thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out our YouTube channel for more content like this. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find Daniel on Twitter at, at Daniel McFadden and look out for more articles from him on frontstretch.com.